Hello friends and welcome to another, well, quick look, review discussion, if you will. Yeah, something like that. And uh, I'm joined here by Manus because uh, we have something big and uh, exciting to talk about today that, uh, well, we didn't think that only one host was enough. <laughs> we're talking about the Steam Deck. And, and we're, we're both in a, a kind of an odd situation because I received the only review unit for the entire network. And then and, I stole it. And then <laughs> and you are actually one of those people who have an active pre-order. So we're kind of coming from two different sides of the fence. One who wants to believe in it, or at least initially thought the premise was interesting. And then the one who has to had to cr sort of critically figure out whether or not this was recommendable and you know what the hardware did and how the software panned out so it's it's a it's an interesting prospect for yeah. sure and i mean right now i'm in kind of the same position as uh, maybe a lot of you viewers out there are mm -hmm. that uh, you know got into the queue early and put down your five euros to uh, secure a place in the queue to get a pre-order you're right uh, yeah, yeah. like myself and you think want to make sure that it is actually worth paying the full price for and that's where I am. Yeah, it's interesting uh, in because as I think someone here in the office just said recently today, and as we're recording this, there's a couple of days until the final embargo, but the main point is that it's kind of a new frontier, this. Even though that it seems like you're taking an existing OS game library and like functionality feature set and just putting it on a handheld, it really is actually sort of without mincing words, a, a, a much broader and much bigger than that, because it is also potentially the dawn for uh, like mainstream Linux-based gaming, which has up until this point kind of existed and has been a thriving community filled with tinkerers and people who, who want to who wants the satisfaction of, of getting something to work flawlessly and working together to make, like create new functionality and compatibility. But this is like the first, as far as I can tell, the first like proper mainstream, like big tech launch for a Linux product. So there's a lot riding on this and potentially the like the, the, the benefits or at least the effect that the Steam Deck's success can have is massive. Like the scale at which we're speak, talking about game compatibility in general is staggering. Yeah. So that's and, kind of, yeah. And, and that's also kind of why when we talk about the Steam Deck, we have to kind of separate two ideas and talk about it yeah. separately. Definitely. When yeah. you talk about hardware yeah. and then software and potential for usage. Yeah, exactly. Because you can't just look at the hardware and say, Oh, it's uh, you know very uh, good performance, yeah. and it will be great across the board. Exactly, because you have to look at the software support. Yeah, in, because that was actually I knew a bit going into the entire review tasks that I probably had to split it up uh, and not do it like, for for instance, a potential laptop review that we do here. We we talk about it when we receive the box. We quick look at it and you know go through some specs and some very initial impressions. Then we do a review, a written review, which mainly consists of you know um, thoughts about the hardware and how that amounts to software performance and then we're out but in terms of the steam deck because of the gravitas of what we are talking about here as story said there is kind of the heart is it a good from a hardware perspective a well-designed gaming handheld is the triggers good are the analog sticks good what's the quality of the screen what kind of battery life did we get when we tested it and then as story said i think one of the operating uh, words here is use case because you might have some very initial expectations of what you can get the Steam Deck to do 
but that actually has little to do with the SOC, the APU that is inside, or the RAM, or the battery, or anything like that as it would with, say, a laptop, where the hardware governs the quality of the software. This is all about compatibility, and that's kind of the problem slash solution slash cool thing about Linux, which this runs on through a Proton um, based, uh, Proton is essentially a piece of translation software that Valve has created in order to make Windows games playable through Linux without a native port. So it is essentially a kind of emulation in a weird way, at least as far as I could tell, it is akin to um, new Mac M1 laptops translating it like Intel based programming through the Rosetta translation layer. Yeah. And it means in our experience, sometimes it feels like finesse surgery and you're like, oh, yeah, oh yeah. I can't believe this works. And sometimes it feels like a couple of plasters on an open wound. Exactly. So that's kind of the problem that you have to talk about secondly. But, but let's talk about hardware then. Yeah, because first, first off, uh, we have listed the full specification list in our written review, which I would encourage you to go read. By the time you're watching this video, it is available and you can see it right here on my left, um, what those specifications are. It's essentially um, core details, clock speeds in the APU, RAM sets, um, storage options, but essentially if you're kind of worried about which one to get, because there are three, you can get it with either 64 gigs of eMMC storage, which is a different kind of flash. Um, it's still flash, but it's just different and slower. Um, then you can get it with what we have here, which I believe is a 256 gig model, which has NVMe storage. And then finally, you can get it in a 512 gig NVMe storage model, which for some reason also is the only model that has anti-glare coating on the screen glass, basically meaning that you'll have less reflections and the viewing angles will be better in general. Um, but why they chose to have that only for the top skew is a, a bit beyond me. I don't generally like when the hardware, essentially the hardware is different uh, across various SKUs when we're talking something like gaming uh, apparatuses. I kind of like it if it was just maybe two gigs of RAM separating them or let's say just 64, 256 and 512. And that's what you're essentially we're paying for. But again, Valve doesn't want to create different sort of performance SKUs and I, I also get that. So expect there to be some differences between EMMC storage models and NVMe storage models, but between the 256 and the 512, I don't think there's any sort of performance no, there's just gain a, to be had. It's just a question of how much you can store. Yeah, on. and there is micro SD card support right out of the gate on all three. So don't consider the amount of storage to be the governing part of your decision. You can expand. It all comes down to say the you know the speed of the SD card that you're putting in there. Though yeah. if you want to store games that you're actively using, but then again, the Steam OS basically also allows for you to move games in between internal and external uh, storage. So for instance, the games that you're playing now, you can move those. You do the same on a PS5. You can do the same on Xbox Series X. So that's really nothing new. So that those are the three SKUs, and and I mean those stats, for the most part, boil down to. I can't believe they have something so powerful in yeah, such a slim body that also does not get too warm. Yeah. Because we've run some tests where we've run out the entire battery and run games oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to see if uh, the temperature either on your hands or on the screen or on the back ever goes to uncomfortable levels and we have not experienced that at all with this unit. As a hardware exercise, as a, 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 a piece of technological 
advancement and design, it is an incredibly, incredibly impressive piece of machinery. In terms of warmth, where we rarely registered anything beyond warm skin temperature, meaning stuff that you can actually feel. In terms of the noise levels, even when this is kicking at 100% AP usage, which happens more than you'd think, it is a noise which you can register, but I find that it had little, very little coil whine or things that are directly uncomfortable um, to the ear, and it's something that can very easily be overwritten by good speakers, which this has. Great stereo speakers and support, obviously, both through uh, headphone jack and Bluetooth uh, for you to have a headset plugged in, which I presume will happen quite a lot if you're using it on the go. Um, but it essentially, all throughout the console's sort of interface, it's all good news, essentially. Triggers, shoulder buttons, back buttons. There are five input methods in the sense that there are the analog sticks, the haptic pads lifted semi-directly from the Steam controller, uh, as I said, touch screen. Um, there's even built-in gyro and accelerometers, which you can activate by holding the right stick, meaning that you can essentially use those gyroscopes as an aiming peripheral, and it kind of works fine as well. I never found it to be strictly comfortable, but it is there. And in terms of accessibility, you can pretty much mix and match like with what you want. Sure, it does mean that for some instances, which we actually delve deeper into in our games walkthrough, which is from a casual perspective, but still, you can come into situations where a game where you'd think that there would just be direct controller input method uh, like set from the off, It'll have a combination of the two. It might use one of the haptic pads as a mouse with R2 being the trigger to select something in the menu, or it might want to use the gyroscope for movement before you set it up differently in the settings, et cetera, et cetera. So, but still you can't really fault it for giving the consumer, the user options. It's a very, very impressive uh, piece of design. The only thing that I think some people might find fault with in some cases is the screen. It is uh, 1280 by 800, and that is the default resolution that it will run in. That is also why it can give you respectable frame rates and decent graphical settings at 60 FPS. Yeah, so, and 60 Hertz. Yeah, 60 Hertz, obviously. So it's meant to be run at that given resolution at 60 FPS. And in some cases, if you want to crank settings instead of resolution, you can go 30 at high or ultra in some cases, depending on which title it is, of course. Yeah. So the screen and, and is... Ba basically, when I saw this yeah. announced, because uh, if you are familiar with the uh, Steam controller, as both of us are fans of, uh, when I first saw this, I thought, oh, it's. I hope that they have taken like a Steam controller, cut it in half and mm. put a screen in the middle. Yeah. That's not quite what we got. No, no. Almost. Uh, we have pretty much all of the same input yes, methods. Yes, we yes. have the flaps on the back, we have uh, you know, bumper it's and pretty much the trigger. same triggers as well. But here is where we start getting into something that's different and that is the haptic pads. I like that they were kind of wells that you needed yes. to you know, put your thumb into and people that picked up the Steam controller at first thought it was kind of awkward to hold. Yeah. And then five minutes later, it's like, oh, this is the perfect way to hold it. Still, you can get them out there from like sites like Amazon or eBay get it even if you also want this get a steam controller it is the most pinpoint precise and comfortable even for long stretches of time controller that exists on the market even next to something like a DualSense or an xbox series controller there simply is no comparison please like get over yourself if you think it looks goofy it is magnificent and the ma the, the good news 
is that the haptic pads are there. Haptic in the sense that there is direct feedback on the tips of your thumbs when you're using it. Um, but bad news in the sense that I would say that they are too small. Even if you crank the sensitivity and want to play something which re regularly uses mouse inputs, um, it is a tad, uh, it, it, it's not going to be sensitive enough. So what you're basically doing is that you, there is rollover potential, uh, it, like regardless yeah. of what you're doing. And the same thing as Dory just said, I would have loved it to be Wells because it just means that it's that much more responsive and intuitive for you to find the center and then scroll outwards or scroll inwards towards the center. Yeah. And just, just holding the Steam Deck, yes. it is more like if you're holding a Switch or, if, yeah. or, or yeah, a yeah. standard handheld because you don't have that thing where you're kind of angled in, yeah. if you will. And I kind of miss that. And But we've seen some reports of, of people that had a hard time holding the controller. Yeah, sh they have to shift they their hands. They had to shift yeah. a little bit, and uh, I didn't run into that for a long time until I started to want to use both the bumper and yeah. the trigger at the same time. Then I need to shift my fingers up, and then on the back, I don't really have support back right. here. But the thing is, so, I, I don't know about you, but I found it very funny when you said that. Not because it's wrong, but because I don't think in all the years that I've sat with the controller in my hand, I've never done this. Mm. Where I've had four, like two fingers on R1, R2, or L1, L2. Yeah, I always, yeah, I always <laughs> use this finger and then I shift. And I rarely find myself where games have mechanics where it requires a press on both at the same time. Yeah. Do you have a concrete example of that? Uh, I mean, a lot of like first person. But isn't that aim and shoot? Well, that depends if you want to oh, change it around. Oh, right, so right. Throwing okay, fair. Left. Oh, yeah, that's but, true. That but is true. To be yeah. fair as well, the two uh, paddles on the back mm -hmm. are made to replace that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, so uh, that you can have your finger trigger focused on shooting and, you know, aiming and, and shooting. And it's also a good point. It leads us to a really important point about the Steam Deck. Valve's open software and open hardware approach means that most of the stuff we're saying can be changed if you want to. The input problems that we have change it to a different input method. If there is a particular thing you don't like about like software sensitivity with the analog sticks or the haptic pads, well, go tinker and change. If you want to install another OS on there, well, go crazy and do just that. Yeah. However, we have to approach it from the way that Valve would prefer us to do it because we have to imagine that at least some, like, some portion of the people out there watching who is interested have to say, well, this, like, the way that Valve designed this seems really incredible. I want to play it that way, using my Steam library, SteamOS, Proton, and Linux, and basically using it as a big bulky controller with my face buttons and my D-pad and my analog sticks, my triggers and my shoulder buttons. All of that is there. You just have to expect that sometimes you might run into a little bit of finessing, which you kind of need to do. We'll, we'll talk more about that in the yeah. software layer, but yeah, still. I was, I was just about to say, we're, we're kind of sliding into the second, but mm. if you just wrap up the it's hardware. It's fu fucking fantastic. I want to swear. just at the hardware. It's great. The performance that it does, yeah. the, the noise level. Yes, it has an audible fan, but that is completely dwarfed by the speakers. Or yeah. if you have headphones on, it's not super annoying. It doesn't get hot in your no, hands. No, no, no. And it doesn't. Uh, the vast uh, array of inputs. Yeah, it's great. Despite it's fantastic. Uh, eliminating one of the best things about the Steam Controller in the well and yeah. bringing over one of the least good things about the mm. Steam Controller in the small face buttons. Yeah, but still... Aside from all of that, fan, 
fantastic. It's, it's fantastic. And even Valve's own estimates of like squeezing six to eight hours out of like small indie games, like with a long session of Stardew Valley, you can get pretty freaking close. So obviously you can expect it to be a lot shorter, so two to three hours if it's Death Stranding Director's Cut, for instance. But for most like medium light use throughout a day, it'll be better than you expect it to be. And that is pretty incredible for something that small. And I mean, it's not even that heavy. Sure, it's like twice as heavy as a Switch OLED, but still, this is something yeah. that you could very easily carry in a backpack or carry-on luggage when you're going to the airport. It is not cumbersome. And it's all wrapped up in the same matte black, non-greasy material that Valve usually coats their other hard pieces of hardware in. And it's great, and it's gonna last. And you know it's made well because Valve things are pretty much always made well. That's the thing you can always count on, and it is the same case here. So if that is your main worry, it'll do everything you want and so much more. Yeah. And that, but that brings us to the second thing that you really need to consider if you want to buy this, and yeah. that is usage. Because yes, this is a, I mean, this is one of the best, if not the best handheld uh, PCs that I've ever, oh, yeah, yeah. ever sure. touched. So let's quickly just, like drawback there are some competitors out there like the aya neo which basically runs a fork of windows so that means that it's completely open in the sense at least that from windows you can install any game launcher and launch all games with windows compatibility which are all pc games so problem solved but you'll find manufacturers like Aya are very, have a very difficult time of updating and optimizing and making sure that games run well beyond the capability of the components put in the machine. But what Valve can do here by not, I would not say that it's closed, but it's more closed than basically just slapping windows on there. By having it slightly more clo closed and utilizing their software layers in order to increase optimization, well, they can make games run better, particularly if they are directly natively supported through Linux, which some are, but it also creates the problem for games that aren't directly optimized for either Windows or the Steam Deck. Now, there's a couple of tools that you can use. What are those tools? Well, I mean, Proton, like, yes. like you mentioned before, is uh, the layer that interprets, um, well, the PC version of the game. Right. And tells the Steam Deck and Linux how to read yeah. that, that uh, information. And yeah. that gets the ga game running. And in there, they can tweak and turn and make it sure that it runs as well on the Steam Deck as humanly possible. Um, no. But when it comes to multiplayer games, yeah, that kind of goes out the window because any game that has easy anti-cheat or a like number of other form of anti-cheats yeah, yeah, yeah. is not and will not work. Yeah, so essentially you can use stuff like ProtonDB, which is essentially a database which is community-run, um, where the most hardcore and most like uh, you know livid of the of the community can go in and update the status of a given Linux port of a game. So you can have different ratings. So games that are supported natively, meaning that there's development forces behind, which has made sure that it runs well, such as. Um, Alien Isolation, for instance, as a, a quick example. But there are actually more than you would perhaps think that are natively supported. They will run without any, like one percentage of performance drop. But then you have games that are platinum rated, which essentially means that it's not native, it is using the Proton translation layer, but it is so well optimized that you wouldn't be able to tell. 
But what then happens is that you go from platinum to gold to silver to bronze. To borked. To Borked. And in the Borked section, there is actually, if you go to ProtonDB, you can search for Borked games. And Borked does not mean that they, do, that they don't run well and they aren't optimized well for Linux and therefore for the Steam Deck. It means that they will not boot. And as Dory said, in 90% of the Borked cases, it is an anti-cheat kind of software which bans you or inhibits the game from booting properly because it basically interprets the Steam Deck, the user booting from the Steam Deck, as an interloper who is trying to surpass or otherwise surmount the anti-cheat um, algorithms that are in place, and it'll immediately throw you out. And by the way- and You might even get banned yeah, exactly. in that game. So like, think about, and this is really important, and that's actually not a criticism against the Steam Deck, but board games right now are Halo Infinite, Destiny 2, Dead by Daylight, Apex Legends. We're talking because most of the most popular games in the world are massive multiplayer games, not MMORPGs, but you know, big multiplayer titles. Most of them will not work unless they get a Linux specific version running, which means that there is a way to control that you're not cheating without using the same kind of software which would ban you. The main thing here, which we're kind of hoping when we're sitting here talking about this is, this, as we said, is the new frontier for Linux in the mainstream. That should also mean if they sell enough decks, which we kind of think they will, like if you think they aren't gonna sell a lot of these, you are freaking wrong. Yeah. They are. And if, if, you, if you're watching this a little bit after they actually <laughs> send out the emails for people to uh, honor their pre-orders, and you think, ah, maybe I can get it now. No, you wait until next year. You will not no. be able to, and they're gonna sell a frick ton of these. And when they do, Linux will be in more casual hands than they have ever been before. Meaning there is now more than ever an increased like uh, incentive for developers to make native versions of Linux. Meaning that that problem, l low compatibility, is probably not gonna be a problem, problem in six months, at least not to the same degree. But we cannot recommend something based on what might happen in the future. We have to look at it now. And as it is now, most of the most popular games in the world simply will not boot on the Steam Deck, which is why you have to use ProtonDB and you have to use a tool called CheckMyDeck, where you can essentially insert your Steam uh, account name, presuming that it is uh, it, that you don't hide all your games history and stuff and it will check all of the games that you regularly play and tell you whether or not there is increased compatibility with Linux, with Proton, and therefore with the Steam Deck. Yeah, and which and will tell you a lot more. And I mean, on the, the Steam Deck itself, if we go into the, the library here, I, I can see all games, 1,347. I think that's about 50% of my actual Steam library. Yeah. Uh, and then once you go over to Great on Deck, yeah. I have 86 titles. Yeah. Uh, some of them you've mentioned before, like Alien Isolation. Yeah. Um, but these are games that we have been trying. They've been running. Actually, let's let's boot up Death Stranding. Let's do while that. While we're yeah. talking, like. By the way, uh, that was also one of the. But oh, this is really important. Yeah. By the way, whenever you boot a game, it will tell you the input method that it will recognize right out of the gate. You can still alter this, but we we actually haven't talked about this. So while this is booting, I'm just going to say it real quick. Steam OS or whatever it, it ends up, like it has been called a number of different things. Now it started as big, big picture, picture mode. And, yeah. um, so, but SteamOS in general uh, is absolutely incredible. And it is so good 
that it makes you freaking wonder how someone like Nintendo can get it so wrong. Because Valve, for all of their like software prowess, actually haven't made UIs that like have one mm. static Steam UI which has been updated, but it hasn't you know received in the same vein that you know from PlayStation One to PlayStation Five. They don't really do like big like okay no. let's their big yeah. change was introducing yeah. uh, big picture mode and. They were kind of pushing towards only having sort of big picture mode. Yeah. But the community was like, no, no, yeah. no. We, we want to be able to have our standard and have access yeah. to all the information. So considering that, it is so incredible to me that the Steam OS that you'll be using most of the time, unless you install something else on it, is responsive. It's great. It works. It, it's absolutely one of the lovely pieces about you, like aspects of using the hardware. So here we are. This is Death Stranding, and you probably can't tell on the camera, but perhaps you could say what the performance metrics is currently reading. Yeah, it's running stable at uh, 60 FPS. It's about 16.6 millisecond frame time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the, the GPU is jumping from 77 to 99%. Yeah. So back to and, and and it's not going over 75 degrees Celsius. No, no. We actually saw the SOC um, across AAA testing that it's pretty much being 100% utilized all the time. That could mean several things. It means that it doesn't have that while it can provide you with a stable 60 FPS, 1280 uh, by 800 resolution gaming experience, it doesn't have a lot to spare. It could also mean that it's well optimized and is util utilizing all of its forces to give you that good FPS all the time. It doesn't necessarily have mean that it's down on power. It could also mean that it's just really good at using the power it has. So, and also by having an uncapped frame rate, which we have in most cases, again, you can cap it in games that allow it. It's basically a PC version of the game. Um, if you uncap it, it will most naturally utilize all 100% at a time because the higher the frame rate it can give you, the better. But again, as I said, you can cap it in games where you feel like it needs to be capped. Um, but yeah, in most cases, we saw stable 60 FPS. What will mostly... Um, I'm seeing a drop here to like 50. Yeah, when I get into the open world. Yeah, and in some cases it should also be stated pretty clearly that in some, for instance, with Control, which has a platinum rating and is supposed to run extremely well, um, it it could go to 60 FPS completely stable if I put it in the low preset. But another little amendment to that statement, you hear low and you think, oh shit. But the thing is, when the screen is seven inches, and running at the screen's native resolution, and it's a PC version of the game, if you're a casual console user, for instance, you'll find that low presets control runs a, like looks a lot better than you might think it does. And I found it to be plenty detailed and looking really sharp on that small screen. Same with Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, same with Alien Isolation, pretty much same with all of the games where you're kind of going in between that low to medium. Um, and with Devil May Cry 5, for instance, we could get 60 FPS out of a medium setting setup um, where there is even some like some ray tracing. And so so it is, there is there's a lot of- And, ju and just for me as I guess an PC elitist, as some would say. Yes. Being able to open up a game on a handheld. Yes. And going into the settings and decide, yeah, you know what? I can change the graphics quality. And yeah, I yeah. can fiddle with 
everything that I could do on a PC version of the game yeah. is just fantastic. But actually, I want to close down this game because I want to show you one of the things that we ran into and why I would hesitate to say to anybody that is looking at this to go out and buy it. Yeah. I would say if you want to take a leap of faith and believe and you're open to tinkering and trying to fix stuff, this is fantastic. Especially, you know, if you, when you can inst side install on the Linux kernel, you can install, you know, old style emulators mm, sure. and, and play a bunch of, of games. As long as you, of course, have the original disc at home. Um, <laughs> but what game? we like I was want to open up uh, Dead Cells because this worked while we were testing it to begin with and, and was on the valve verified and approved list for testing during yeah. this review. We're getting like 300 frames per second. Yeah. Which, I mean, it doesn't really help you with a 60 hertz screen. No. But now let's see if they have updated because there came a game update. Right. And there have been a lot of updates for both the Linux, for Proton, for SteamOS, yeah, while we've, we've yeah, been reviewing yeah, we've got it's like been every single day. But now, yeah, same thing is happening. When you boot up Dead Cells normally, you get a black screen. It doesn't work because they updated something in the game yeah. and Proton hasn't been updated. Oh, and by the way, to address it. Uh, when Linus Tech Tips put out his video 10 days ago, there are thereabouts, one of the test titles that he used was Cyberpunk 2077. Good idea, really, um, and it worked. Then they introduced an amendment patch to patch 1.5, which introduced it to next-gen consoles, which is 1.51 or 1.6. Yeah. And 1.6 broke the game uh, immediately on Steam Deck, and it would not boot. Whether or not they've fixed it yet, we actually don't know. I haven't tried it today, but yesterday at the time of filming, it just would not boot. It would immediately crash back to the home screen. And that is the kind of thing that I think we're trying to... For most games, I would even go as far as say most games, it will work. Mm. And you'll be See, happy. Most single player. Yeah, most yes. single player games, it will work. And as we said, with the launch of the Steam Deck, more games right now will probably work great in six months time. But you would be naive to think that you will not come across a game that you would want to play on the train and where you either won't be able to wholesale or it will offer an experience which is wholly inferior compared to what you're imagining the hardware is capable of. So for instance, as an example of something which ran really poorly was Just Cause 2. Just Cause 2 is freaking old and I quite by chance as Dory uh, um, looked through ProtonDB and suggested that I try it, I had it up from way back when by chance. So I tried it and it was awful. The sound broke consistently, meaning that it was all scratching and noise coming from the speakers. The uh, Basically, the voxels or the triangle which makes up the uh, uh, the game's central graphics and gra uh, would disorganize, creating a kind of tessellation effect, which would make it as though everything was foaming or boiling, which was really annoying. Even though that this game is like 10 years old, more than 10 years old, it essentially would grind to like 15 FPS when there were big explosions, which if you're playing Just Cause 2 is quite often, that's the central aspect of it. And those are the kinds of things that you might run into. And if you go to uh, like the bronze section of ProtonDB, you'll find that while it isn't a lot of titles, it is some. It is 
some. So you're gonna have to prepare yourself for that. And while it might be easy if you're a Linux diehard, for instance, a lot of the gold and silver rated games on ProtonDB would say something like, well, it doesn't work very well, but if you install Proton Tricks and Wine, it will work just fine. You just need to issue these kind of commands and then it's all good. And sure, you could do that. But for one, I bet it's harder on that and then from a Linux-based PC. And I also don't think that that is something that all Steam Deck interested consumers out there are even considering doing. Installing Proton Tricks and Wine and issuing like command prompts is not something a lot of people will be thinking about when they are thinking about a handheld PC gaming experience. Yeah. For some, sure. And for those people, they've already decided to get the deck, so we're not even talking to them. We're talking about the in-betweeners in here, and you need to understand what you're getting yourself into. It's great, but there are caveats currently, and that's kind of like the, the big thing about the Steam Deck currently. Yeah, because we've seen Valve heading down this direction before with the Steam machines yeah. that failed. Yeah. And they failed because there wasn't enough Linux version of the games. Yeah. And now they're heading in the same direction, but they do have Proton, which is a kind of a patchwork that, like I said, yeah. sometimes works absolutely fantastically. So without Proton, we wouldn't actually be able to recommend this piece of hardware yeah. because the software support, while again, while you might be surprised at the amount of natively supported games, it is not nearly enough to support the kind of, well, I can just pick this up on my Steam Deck kind of fantasy that a lot of you out there are surely thinking about. But through Proton, it is now possible that the Steam Deck can succeed where the Steam machines failed. And that is incredibly exciting. Yeah, but you might run into this problem. Yeah, and the, the reason that we can't just say, this is fantastic, go and buy it, is because we don't know fully the future of the software platform here. We can wholly uh, recommend the hardware. Yeah, for sure. But we don't know, is Proton the future? Is yeah. Proton gonna get even better and all uh, omniscient and yeah. just run anything on Steam? Or is are the sales of the Steam Deck going to uh, motivate developers to make actual Linux versions, or at least help with getting Proton exactly. stabilization. And that's we, the potential problem. Yeah. So, because we don't know, we have kind of have to say the same when the Steam machines came out. It's like, let's see, let's see, let's see how this will work. But I'm a lot more, oh yeah, uh, optimistic this time around. And just to make sure that you probably understand that, and specifically if you don't want to read the full hardware review, to me this is a nine out of ten handheld. It's like the hardware is near perfect, beyond the haptic pads being like too small and not well formed. It is. Uh, like a near perfect and there's a lot of manufacturers out there like Sony with the Vita and even Nintendo with the Switch like could learn about comfort, build quality, screen quality, input methods and accessibility. Um, so Valve is just basically just showing how masterfully you can put something together with this and it's basically the same when you had other VR experiences and then you tried the Valve Index, you kind of removed that and thought oh well this is how you do it. Um, and that is exactly the same with the Steam Deck. And again, for most use cases, it's probably fine. Go check check my deck or use ProtonDB to check pretty much all the games that are on Steam are rated there actively and with a great community behind it, checking and making sure that everything is up to date. But I implore you to check and not just think or 
believe that your particular use case is being covered because you don't know that for certain. So that is basically, I think, the summary, isn't yeah. it? And I, and I can I can say without any, you know, sponsorship or anything. I'm I'm, I'm talking about my own personal money here. I'm going to honor my pre-order. Yeah. And I am going to use it for as long as they will lend us this uh, review unit to basically do a lot of cool PC-based handheld gaming. I, for instance, have been wanting to play Kinseed for a long time. I'm going to do that. I'm going to play Dead Cells. I really want to do that. I basically haven't touched Baldur's Gate 3, and I found it to work better than expected with the haptic pad, so I'm finally going to play that because who knows when that will come to console, and that will be the case for a lot of games. We even tried running Total War games on it, and it works. It takes tinkering, but it works. And playing Total War Warhammer 3 on the couch, like on a, on a sleepy Sunday afternoon with your handheld, yeah. Thank you so much for watching. See you on the next one.